0: Hi and welcome to the CarMage Rebels podcast. I'm Trudy Lewis. I'm Jenny Field. And I'm Advita Patel.
1: So this week in the news, we've been chatting about the rebrand of Standard Life Aberdeen, the vowelessless less rebrand, in fact, that has been mocked across social media. It's something I shared <laughs> Uh, with some groups on Facebook, and something that's caused huge amount of chat for those working in PR and comms, and we thought it would be a good thing to debate here.
0: It was an interesting one. You raised it to our attention, and I and I looked at it and thought, "Gosh, this is a typical rebrand issue that, in a sense, it might go wrong." By all indications, it's getting, it's going that way simply because of the comments and the mockery. I mean, the last thing you want is to start a brand and there's mockery. No never what anybody wants
1: no but also you just have to think you know what was the thought process behind it and we will probably never know that but i can't pronounce it it's now written it, a b r d n a burden
2: it's aberdeen jenny they've explained it in the in the video <laughs> that you have to work
1: <laughs> I they've explained it did you watch the video did you watch the video well,
2: the really funny thing is I only really heard about it when we we're having a discussion about what we're talking about it. so I did a quick scan so it just shows like it's, it's definitely not been on my radar but I just read it and as a first kind of impression I'm like you're a global organization what are you doing like this just doesn't make sense to me and at first you kind of think am I their customer base and Is it, you know, is it because I'm not their customer base? Well, then you think, they're they're an investment bank, right? And so what on earth are they thinking by doing something that I personally, it's my personal belief, would associate to something that's a little bit more younger, startup, bit funkier, maybe some kind of clothing brand, for example. I would never think it was a financial sector organization I just find it really bizarre
1: but then it begs the question doesn't it how do you evolve your brand to attract a younger market which is almost what it feels like they were trying to do of let's rebrand let's be ready for digital let's appeal to the younger market and (laughs) I can just imagine all these people <laughs> sat around a boardroom <laughs> who are probably not the demographic they're trying to reach, trying to come up with the idea. It's like that BBC drama, which I can't think what it's called now. For the life of me, it's escaped me. Was but it, the
0: thick of, it wasn't the thick was, of it, was it? No, no. Was it wasn't the one about 2012 or something. Yeah, that one, yeah. It's
1: all of that stuff where it was like, we want to re- rebrand the BBC but just be three dots. We could be like, mm-mm-mm. <laughs> 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 and it's, <laughs> it's that kind of thing that you kind of think you know maybe it is about attracting a different market but i wonder if they had those people in the room when they were making those decisions well
0: they must have had you know you must have tested it with a group of people to say does this appeal to you but then i think there's that thing of matching your kind of fancy brand with what you do you know and and yeah. and the and the wider audience that you're going to appeal to especially when you think of things like the financial sector or you're going to appeal to the professional sector, it doesn't, for me, make sense that you would create something that's so different from where you're starting from. Because remember, Standard Life is one of these organisations that's been around for hundreds of years, Mm. you know, and it's a merger. So it it needs to obviously reflect the merger. So I understand where they're coming from. I I just don't know if they thought through how it would land a bit like um, and in the article I read it it, it mentioned the whole thing of consignia and royal mail and you know how how odd that was at the time so yeah I was just laughing out they said
2: that the the a represents standard life in in the branding yeah (laughs) like like the random a that's in standard is representing (laughs) it honestly I do believe you know when when we kind of look you know all three of us have worked in internal comms, right? Majority of our kind of careers and stuff like that. And when, and I'm pretty certain that we've all been through a brand refresh at some point in our things. And yeah. I do sometimes, you know, we do sometimes think, and how are we going to communicate this message to our colleagues in the business? So they understand why we've gone down this route. And often it is the fancy agencies, right? That are quite quirky that come in and come, come with ideas. And you think, oh, I'm not quite sure how that's going to work. But in this instance, I do think that they're probably, it, it sounds like, and, you know, if anybody did work on the run refresh for Aberdeen, then please, please DM us and let us know how this process worked. But um, I'm assuming that you're you know, people just sat in this dark room <laughs> looking at what can we do? What can we do to be doing? I know, let's remove all the ease. <laughs> <laughs> let's remove all the ease because that's just going to make it look really funky and Let let, get people talking. I just I watched. I did watch the 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 mini clip that the chief executive had spoken about. But even I wasn't convinced by him. If that makes sense, like he wasn't.
0: But also, if you have to, if you have
1: to explain it to that. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, never worry. (laughs) And I know that you, you said to me. It, you, you say yeah you pronounce it Aberdeen Jenny that's they said that in the video well then spell Aberdeen, like <laughs> you can't just take out all the e's and expect us to know I mean it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And all
2: they're a global they quite proudly say they're a global organization so if I think culturally if you're like in India or in China or in Japan in places like that where English is a, very much in you know, a second language they're not going to look at that and go Oh, that's Aberdeen. <laughs> that's Aberdeen. That, that's going to go A, B, D, do I. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this, is where, uh, this is what frustrates me sometimes about when they're proudly, when organisations proudly say we're global, we're inclusive, we're making sure that people we're appealing to our new customer base. It's like, are you really or mm-hmm. are you just appealing to that very small number of people that you may have done a bit of a pilot with and they've kind of said yeah it's great it's a bit controversial I can imagine the conversation oh it's a bit controversial or people won't like it well oh, but you know good news what did it say all, all those- news is good yeah. news yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. we'll yeah. <laughs> It'll get people talking about us we'll drive you know but I honestly don't think and please you know if you are listening to us having this chat and if you disagree with us 100% then please do get in touch That's with fine, us and, yeah. <laughs> and tell us and explain and tell us you know maybe we're not the demographic you know we're all in our
0: and don't, in, say, in, it. I don't <laughs> say it <laughs>
2: we're all over 30 30. yes we're all over 30 so maybe we're not that demographic but it'd be interesting to see what the kind who their demographic is and I I have to hold my hand up I definitely haven't done enough research into this brand and why they've done it and I watched that little mini video I read the statement from the chief executive but surely as a potential customer that's all I should be doing anyway yeah I shouldn't have to do a deep deep dive right into well,
0: uh, into if, if you have and to figure it thing. out, though, isn't it, Advita? If you have to, if you have to kind of read something or watch another video to figure out what that means, then it, you've almost failed as a, a rebrand, really, because people won't get it. And you know, in this case, they, it's it's investment. They want people to invest and in all the rest of it to do around around life insurances and so on. So you yeah. kind of think you want it to connect with a very wide group of people so you can't just do it in a certain way simply because you want it to be a younger audience you're trying to capture everybody
2: yeah
0: and uh and I guess that's being mindful maybe as as I've said before maybe I'm wrong you know as as and as you said maybe it's because our demographics a bit our demographic between the three of us is a bit different <laughs> maybe that's it but I I don't know I would definitely be calling mischief
2: in the business by removing <laughs> all the E's from my email. No, <laughs> it's what if it's it's
1: fun. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> I did that? That's fine. I so enjoy that. My name would make no sense either without an E in it. I'd just be I'd be like, yeah, it's Jenny. It's I'd
2: be all right. Jenny. I'd be all right. I'd me, be alright. Me, me and Trudy are fine. absolutely fine. Yeah, fine. Like, as long as I don't say my surname, and I can be a bit like Madonna, I'll be okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: no, no, no. I'd be done. like, I'd be like Prince. You know, kind of the artist, <laughs> otherwise known as Prince. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know? Do you let us know if you if you enjoyed
2: this chat that we've had, and if you disagree with us, if you agree with us, you know, if you've worked on a what does good branding look like? You know, so if anybody who's listening has worked on a great branding exercise or branding project in-house externally agency please do share with us because we would love to kind of share that on our social platforms on Twitter and on our Instagram page as well because I do think it's really important that we as well as talking about maybe what we believe is poor practice to share some of the good stuff that's going on out there as well and it'll be really interesting to hear your point of view uh, on this topic.
1: Absolutely. So that's it for us for our news this week. I hope you enjoy the episode that's coming up where we are talking about hybrid working. If you want to find out more about how you can work with us, you can visit our website, which is calmagedrebels.com. Here, you can find out more about each of us individually, and it will also give you links to our own websites, which are colinear.co for Trudy, commsrebel.com for Advita, and redefining comms for me, Jenny.
2: You can also follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at Karmage Rebels, and you can also follow us individually on Twitter, Instagram, and
0: LinkedIn. So if you do want to work with us around communications consulting, coaching, or workshops, please do get in touch. For this episode, we are focusing on building a healthy culture, and this is a really interesting topic for me. It's dear to my heart. I love speaking about culture, and some of the things we're going to cover today come around hybrid working, and that's one of the things that's come up very, very prevalent right now. Also, how leadership are dealing with culture and how leadership are kind of into interfacing with this new time that we're in and navigating the whole engagement of staff and all the rest of it. So it's very interesting for me to kind of explore how we're handling this and to perhaps come up with some really practical ways to deal with it. Because again, I keep being asked the question: well, how do we become more engaging? In a time when we're on Zoom, in a time when we're having to do things more remotely, technology is on the rise. So as a result, people are more open to using different types of technology to get things done. So it's how do we keep the whole engagement piece going? How do we maintain a healthy culture when we're not necessarily all in the office? So to start us off, I kind of want to start with a difficult question, which is how do we engage a hybrid workforce?
1: So. I blogged about this not that long ago in terms of the use of the word hybrid because I think it's a bit of a red herring. And I say this because I think we've worked in a hybrid world for a very long time. When I think about all of my friends who have various different jobs, none of us work the same hours, none of us work in the same place every day, none of us work the same times. It's been different for a very long time. Now, I know that's not the case for every organisation, but for many, there have been, you know, different times people can work. But what hasn't been invested in is the technology to enable that. So whilst we've been able in some places to work in different places, technology hasn't caught up with that. So I still remember someone saying to me when I worked in an an open plan office, there were two floors, and he rang me and said, I've walked around this building twice and have established you're not here. And I said, no, I'm at home. But there was no way for me to alert him to the fact I was at home through the technology. So nothing was integrated in the business. And I don't think that's going to massively change in a post-lockdown world. So when it comes to engaging a hybrid workforce, part of the reason for me it's a red herring is because I think we have to look at society and work as one thing, and too, for too long it's been too separate. So actually when it comes to engaging people, for me, it's about being respectful of people being human beings and having a life and work is part of that life. But you might need to be at home because you've got a plumber coming or you might need to pick up the kids from school or you might prefer working in the evening when the kids are in bed or early mornings before they go to school, whatever that might be. It's kind of being respectful and aware and flexible and adaptable to life. And I think that's how you will drive the engagement by respecting people as individuals and making allowances for being human.
2: I completely agree. And I I do also think that we've been I don't know about anybody else, but I definitely feel like I've been talking about this for most of my career. (laughs) Blended working, hybrid working, agile working, flexible working. It's like it's been a, since I started in internal communications, I don't think I've worked in any organisation that hasn't had this as part of their plans or projects. Mm -hmm. You know, so how do we make sure that people who do have flexible working and working from home are still included in the conversations that are taking place in the office? You know, how do we make sure that, the working parents have flexibility so they can go and watch the child in the school play, or if you've got caring responsibilities, can do. It's it's been part of my kind of conversations for for decades. Like you know, as far as that in my world anyway, mm-hmm. definitely. So yeah. it's I don't think it's new, and I do think we go through this panic, as I call it, where uh, uh, somebody says it a few times, or somebody else says something else, and before we know it, it's gets roller coaster. Of oh my goodness, I need to figure out what hybrid working is. And I guarantee if you work in this kind of, you know, in that space, you would have been part of it anyway. You're probably doing it yourself. Like I, Jenny's 100% spot on. I don't know many organizations that don't have some sort of flexibility in their workspace. The challenge is, and I've worked on many of these projects, is the technology. Mm -hmm. It's like you're 100% spot on. It's like you don't, you can work from home, but it doesn't give you the same experience as you would have if you were in the business and that's where we fit in as business leaders and communicators in how do we make sure that if you know if you're working from the coffee shop or working from home or working from the office you have a similar experience as somebody who's sat in you know behind the desk nine to five and that's where I kind of put my energy and efforts into so I don't believe you should be discriminated against just because you decide or you you make the option to work from a different location than the traditional office space. And I think I know people who, you know, 10, 5, 10 years ago, who did work three days a week from home and then two days a week in the office. And those three days they worked from home, they were very much excluded, mm. you know, from meetings and from conversations. I remember, like, leaders saying, when I used to say, or oh, what about this person? Oh, they work from home today. Well, can they can they dial in? And then if they did dial in, it's that really crackly conference <laughs> <laughs> we see we've all seen the memes haven't we we've all
1: seen yeah. the memes. and the it's par- just not... the passing of the spider phone yeah down the, the passing
2: and, and you're literally leaning into it and this is only a couple of years ago you're leaning into the spider phone mm-hmm. and people are like don't move don't move because the signal's gonna go <laughs> you know oh, you've, you've got to come and stand down this end of yeah. the desk
1: to talk yeah. to yeah. Sandra who's oh at my, home oh my
2: god you know what we had in one location that I worked in we actually used to put a mobile phone because we worked, mm-hmm. I went to the engineers we used to put a mobile phone in a cup <laughs> to get the to get so you could hear them to amplify the sound I mean and I'm not talking about 10 years this is 18 months two years ago you know it's ridiculous and this just makes a person on the other side who's dialing in feel that they're not contributing not valued and then you end up getting frustrated the people in the room just switching them off so as a leader and as a communicator who's and as HR whatever your role is our role is to kind of understand that process and think what do we need to do to make those individuals and everybody who decides how they want to work feel included so it doesn't matter where they are what they're doing when they're working they still feel part of that culture and and I do believe that those days where you know pizza fridays and those kind of long lunches that you might have had to you know your your company paid lunches that some people had the benefit of having and those kind of things need are are disappearing and we need to work a little bit harder about that
0: inclusivity healthy culture piece Mm. yeah I, I I've Never been lucky enough to work somewhere that has um paid for lunches. Um, <laughs> but never mind, it's all good. Um I think, <laughs> I don't think if I have now, I think I've always had subsidized things. There've been other things to be fair, but not 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 like that. Thinking about all of what you've just said and, and what's in my head is how it's it's almost like we need to step back and find a human approach for how we work amongst each other. And some find that easy and some find that difficult, um, especially those who don't trust their teams and so on and so on. And that's, I'm talking from the leadership side, but from the individual side, it's also our traditional head about how work works. Sometimes that thought and idea about how work should work probably needs to be demolished a little bit and, and broken down a bit because, I remember trying to implement a flexibility program in an organization where it was about culture change. And one of the biggest problems was the first thing that came up was, well, will that that change be impacted in my contract? Will it show in my terms of work? And you just think, well, we're giving you flexibility. We're saying flexible. You know, it's down to your line manager. You know, you need to have a relationship with your line manager and have a conversation. Yes, we are aware that there has to be some contractual things sometimes that cover some of this. But generally, that's not the emphasis. The emphasis is the attitude and behaviour. And so mm. I think there's a huge challenge for organisations to get their heads around this. And especially when we we know how difficult culture is at best, and then to have to add this problem.
1: I totally agree. And I think the, the point you make about the manager there is just is so important because... I've witnessed things over the last year that that I just uh, are baffling to me where managers will, you know, be having meetings with people you know, all day. And there's no acknowledgement of the need for lunch, for example, or the need to have a break or anything like that. It's just constant. And I think people have talked so much about Zoom fatigue and and the impact of being on a screen all the time. And to, to think about culture and how that links together, for me, it is the human piece again, but it's it's so specific to the manager that I think organisations can have very grand statements about culture. They can have very grand statements about hybrid working and, and they'll look to create, you know, we've seen organisations coming up with different categories of workers and how you can have two days here. I mean, I reckon in six months to a year, that's going to absolutely be kiboshed because you're trying to create too much rigour on something that is flexible they are completely <laughs> juxtaposed um, it's but the it's, meaning
0: of the word exactly the clue.
1: <laughs> but I think it's 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 so specific to your your everyday and your manager and and what they allow you to do because there's still the power struggle I think in some organizations with hierarchy but it has to be about being human and be, and being empathetic, which has been such a story for the last 18 months.
0: Yeah, it has. I mean, I, I don't particularly like the word hybrid simply because it doesn't speak, sound human enough. But, uh, you know, I do wonder if it's just another buzzword, I mean, or, or just an excuse to not really address what real flexibility would look like in a healthy culture. And so, you know, we take a lot of time talking about it we use the word a lot you see loads of articles about it we're seeing it everywhere do you guys think it's just something that's going to come and go again like you know any of the other buzzwords that come around uh, as we're talking about work
2: yeah without a doubt you know we're, we're living in a world where people are now demanding flexibility you know if i speak to my uh, and I do have 22, 23 year old friends. Because <laughs> you know, I like to I like to keep <laughs> I like to keep down with the kids. kids. I know I like to keep in with the kids. But when I talk to those, when I talk to those people, they they are like it's really alien to them in a sense that they have to have this really structured way of working because the world is so fluid now, you know, in the way we work and then what we do and what we say. And we've got empathy and you know, and showing a little bit of vulnerability from the line managers to be honest with their teens, but I also think you know, trust is a big thing here for everybody, right? And I've always been, I i hate that blanket approach. If one person does something not right or uh, behaves badly, everybody gets punished for it in an organization. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, it's a case-by-case basis. So this works, obviously, if you're working in an organisation in a corporate setting. Obviously, if you work in a factory or you're working in a service-led organisation where you have to be in that premises to, you know, retail, hospitality, airports, that kind of stuff, that's slightly different, right? And flexibility working is very different there. I'm talking about corporate places where you work in in, in the office kind of environment. I don't understand why people can't set a a load of objectives for that individual as you would and then trust them to deliver against those objectives however they do it maybe they do it from eight in the evening till one in the morning but make the exception that they go up and turn up for the important calls if they need to and giving them that trust to deliver a good piece of work and if they don't deliver that good piece of work that's when you should be having that conversation about well what do we need to do to work together to help you do that is it too, you know, do you need more structure? Because some people do, right? I know people who do need, who like that structure, who like to be told X, Y, Z, this is what we need to do, or, or like the office environment. And I think if we all just treated each other as grown-ups and as adults and brought that trust into the business, just imagine how powerful the culture would be and the empowerment you'd give to those individuals and how much they would perform mm. for you and bring that innovation, when you're stuck in a, you know, in in a kind of, you can do this, and you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, where have you been, and people clock watching and tracking the hours that you're spending and all that kind of stuff, we're we're still in this mindset of quantity over quality. I, I honestly believe that I think, you know, people still in this kind of, I have to keep churning, 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 and not really reflecting on the quality and the impact. And that's a big thing it's having on the organization what impact is that piece of work doing and you giving them that freedom for them to choose where they want to work and choose the hours they want to work imagine the power and we've seen the data and the insights on the organizations that do have that that flexibility they do tend to perform much better and they do have more diversity as well that's key right you've got more diversity in the
1: organization as well but I think you're right in in terms of what the, the 22, 24-year-olds are, are expecting of, of work, which is why, you know, Trudy, you asked, is hybrid a bit of a buzzword? Is it going to go away? I, I agree with veto. I think it will, because I think it needs to be how work is in the future. I think labelling it as, as hybrid, almost in some ways, could allow you to think, right, well, we'll just do some hybrid working for the next year, and then, you know, we'll go back to... But, you know, it's it, it almost got that temporary sense to it, which I'm not sure is necessarily right. And I'm just having a look back on the Bionic Business Report that um, Simply Communicate published at the end of 2020, which was looking at what trends do organisations need to have to adapt to a hybrid working. And it talked about the fact that they would have people that would go beyond empathy, people who are united behind a common purpose. They talked about the fact that these organisations are proactive in communicating change. And they talked about the fact that they've stepped beyond the first wave of, of technology and are exploring automation and looking at AI. Now, it's a great report, but I also feel like this isn't new. These are all things that organisations should be doing anyway. And actually, for me, it's the skills of the people in the organisations that need to adapt to do that, which is things like communication training, resilience training, You know, looking at things like psychological safety. These are all things that link to a healthy culture, an inclusive culture that should have been happening anyway. So I always said at the start of the pandemic, a, a crisis doesn't invent new skills. It actually just accelerates trends, essentially. So if there was a trend that we needed to upskill in communication skills or technology, that need for that, that skill increase has has just been moved forward, if that makes sense. It was almost like mm-hmm. a catalyst. And, and that's all that's telling me is everything that we've talked about for the last five years, 10 years of being skills that we need in organisations is exactly the same. So I think when we're looking at the cultures and the changes to work and all of those things, there's nothing here that's new. I just hope it now has a focus. And I think as as the ages of people at work change, the expectation of it to be just one life and there to be work and home and everything as one thing is just going to be the norm. And I think labelling it as hybrid... Um, gives you a, a could label could allow you to see it as something that's temporary, which I don't think is yeah. is good either.
0: Absolutely, I, I you know one of the things that's quite interesting is and and you both implied it is the fact that there is nothing new. So the same issue with culture then is the same issue yeah. with culture now, and so when I think about the current way that some people are working. So back-to-back meetings on, say, for instance, Zoom, is equal to or similar to let me clock watch you and make mm-hmm. sure that you stick to things. And so it's it's not a let's figure out what time people need to work problem. It's a we have a culture problem, a fundamental culture problem that we have never addressed. Mm-hmm. And so the companies that we are talking about, like in that report, they've been doing it well they are the ones that actually have have figured it out, that actually we need to fix the culture. Because if we fix the culture, then then we wouldn't even have to have the term hybrid working. Because really, we'd be looking at our people and saying, well, actually, some people need to work from home. Some people need to do it all of the time. Some people need to do it part of the time. Let's mix it all up. Mm. And we are generous and open enough to to fix that for people because why we want people to be the most productive, we want people to perform, we want people to enjoy the experience of work. And, Mm. you know, if those are the priorities and that kind of links with the culture that you've put in place, then you will totally get it right.
1: And I think I'm wondering as you're talking whether there is a piece of work to look at organisations that have been around, you know, 50 plus years Mm. 40 plus years 30 plus years 20 you know down 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 and and correlating kind of the flexible working practices that they have mm. like is there something that says if you're an organization that's 50 plus years old how different is it to one that's maybe six months old and and I know that could be seen as comparing you know apples and pears but if you were then to matrix that I've gone really far into this research sorry but if you were to then matrix <laughs> that against like industry or uh, location like so you find the the non-variables that would allow it to be a, a good enough comparison. I'm not a fan mm-hmm. of benchmarking, which most people would know, but there's something in that that I think you could explore to look at whether there is a link to the length the organisation has been running and whether it yeah. is going to be more prevalent in startups. Because that's something people say a lot of the time and I always wonder how true that really is. But I think it's it's got, to, you're right, it just comes down to culture yeah. more than anything else.
2: Yeah, and I think it's important to remember that if you do, you know, if you do, if you are working on whatever you're calling it, hybrid blended future, uh, you can't just lift and shift the culture as well. Yeah. So you, you're going to have to really think about what does that now mean for the organisation, especially if you are one of those organisations that Jenny just mentioned, where, you know, 50, 60, 70, 100 years old, that's been very traditional, very power play, hierarchical. All of a sudden, that may not happen, and people are now got flexibility. I know I spoke to a, uh, an MD who's who who is uh, a bit anxious, and that is a word I would use about the presence they may now have that authority. You know, he he's he was he's quite a charismatic individual who could walk around the offices and say hi, and people got to know him in a little bit more, and it's was really fluid the way he worked, and he was really worried about if my my team are now working all over the place how do I build that connection how do Mm. I make them understand what the values and the purpose of this business is and how does how do I bring them into the culture fold if you want to kind of call it that you know how do they know what the
1: culture of this place is like but that for me always comes back to the relationships that you have with with the people that you work with and over the course of the last six months I think between us all we've had so many conversations about culture and work and and trust and all those things but I can have a good debate with a friend over a dinner table and we'll all still be friends afterwards, even if we disagree. That's because there's a friendship and a relationship there. You should be able to have good conversations and connections mm-hmm. at work, not to the same degree, because they're not going to be your best friends, but the relationships should be built up enough that allow people to, to know what that culture feels like. And I have s- similar people that I know who are you know, CEOs who have been very anxious about the fact that they're not in their in their suit and tie in their office and they're just not in their familiar surroundings and there's another really good report from MIT Sloan review around leadership in a digital age and it talks about context collapse which is just a really nice uh expression I have dug it out and got it in front of me but it it talks about the fact that social media flattens multiple audiences into one and context collapse was a phrase first used in 2011 but I think that's so true about what's happened in the last year. Is that that context collapse for all of us has been that we don't have home and work, and it's all just one. And that, that's the bit
0: to carry forward now. Yeah, yeah and that's I the agree. bit that's quite dangerous when it comes to your health because yeah. if there's no separation, which is you know what we see when you when people tend to work from home a lot, when there's no separation, then, it, then it's quite dangerous. I mean, I I would imagine that many of those CEOs or MDs that you referenced probably have an issue with control and how they control their environment and the people around them. And in a sense, the fact that the the MD you were talking about, Advita, actually had that as a concern is probably a good thing because he was thinking, well, how can I fix it? Whereas I'm sure there are some who probably will be like, you know what, we're not in that time. So I guess I can't fix it. I'll just get on with my, my day. And I'll only, I'll only kind of connect with the people who are immediate to my circle within work and who I need to, I won't actually become visible at all. So it takes, say for instance, a comms person who suddenly says, do you know what you need to get visible? And then you, then we try and help them. However, you know, there is that thing of this is how you should be behaving anyway. You know, if, if, if you want to engage your workforce, you yes. have to behave in this way. Yeah. And I guess we are kind of leading into tips right here. So I, I'm going to start with Vita. Go for it.
2: Well, that's, uh, I mean, it's great that you uh, you ended on that behaviour thing because that's exactly what I said to him. I said, you know, your behaviours will demonstrate how you want your team to react to this situation that you're in. And you cannot afford to say say one thing on paper and then not practice that in, in real life. So you can't just send out a policy in the comms like we're doing this and we're doing that, and then your behaviors is not representing that. So, I think that's really important to remember. So, if you are as a communicator, as a business lead, as a leader, whoever you are listening, and you are responsible for trying to support the culture of your organization, make sure that you're practicing what you're preaching. So, if you are putting together a new policy and a new way of working, then I would highly recommend that if you don't think that what you're being asked to write or deliver is, is not being reflected in the workplace. And I would question that and, and go to right leaders and ask them, you know, what is it that you want in terms of behavior? Because what you're telling me to write and what you're actually demonstrating is not aligning. And I think that's when trust is broken. Right. And that's when trust disappears from from colleagues. So I would definitely look into that. And I would also, you know, it may be a bit controversial, but I wouldn't get too bogged down with, terminologies that's out there hybrid blended you know flexible it's like what look at your organization and look at what the objectives are for your organization and look at what the outcomes are and speak to your people like what is it that your people want from you and uh, from the organization it's great to read different case studies and do different things and listen to advice but ultimately you need to know what's happening in your business. And it may turn out that your business, actually, when you do your kind of due diligence and you speak to your people, you may discover actually that your people don't want that, that they want to be in the office and they prefer that because you might work in that kind of organisation where people like to bounce ideas off each other all the time in person. And that's OK. you know. But it's about making sure that you have got the right tools, technology and techniques in place for them to enable to have those conversations. But don't make assumptions just because somebody somewhere has told you that this is the way forward go and do your due diligence in your organization ask the
1: right questions that is great advice now I've got to top that thanks <laughs> <laughs> so I've, I've just got two and it's training and technology so I think if you're looking at hybrid you're looking at your culture generally you're looking at how to navigate forwards whatever that might be it has to be about training and, and technology training for line managers around communication skills. And training you know, for yourself, no matter what role you're in, if you're at work, there will be something that you could be doing to, to upskill yourself in order to help the organisation. So if they are looking at different technology platforms, do you know enough about the different technology platforms out there uh, and making sure that you can offer, offer that advice? They're really my two. I think the only other one I would look at would be making sure that the leadership team know where they're going. So making sure that the leadership team have spent time refocusing and thinking about the organization and and how it needs to move forward and that they've got the right skills to do that they've got you know the right levels of accountability whatever else might be in there that leadership team is going to be so important for moving forwards so I think if you're in a leadership team it's making sure that you are a solid team and Lencioni's five dysfunctions of a team is a great book if you haven't read it which can highlight how you can you know look at the different dynamics going on there so Yes. Training, technology, leadership. They're right. my three things I'd be thinking about.
0: Brilliant. You guys know so much. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> for me, I think the main one that stands out for me, I might say another one, but basically it's, yes, be aware of things like hybrid and so on. Read what's out there, you know, get familiar with what people are saying and writing. because It's good. Some of it's really, really good where they are analysing the workplace and how best to improve it. But as a priority, you really need to address culture. You know, don't be afraid of it. It's not rocket science, but it, it is something that needs to be addressed. And I think if you come at it with the right attitude and you really have a desire to, to, to have a healthier workplace and to nurture people and help people to enjoy work and be productive then you will take the time to to, to look into the culture. Sometimes it can be tedious because sometimes there are toxic cultures, but the fact that you take the time to make it a priority means that you, your leadership team come around the fact that, you know what, we really need to do something about this. And, And also I'd secondly say, just think about your own experience and what you like to do and how you navigate your life. I mean, that might be then taken into consideration how your family runs and how, you know, put yourself in somebody else's feet is what I'm trying to say so that you understand what they're going through and why a certain type of flexibility, a certain type of culture would help them and enhance their world.
1: I love that. I think there's always that fear
0: that everybody's individual. So how can you possibly find a way to,
1: to, you know, to, to do something across the organization? And I think, don't be scared by it as well. Like you're saying, like mm. don't don't step away from it because you can you can you can map things out. You know, we're all big fans of sharpies here. We've all got you know <laughs> a little pack of sharpies and a <laughs> pad of paper on the go most of the time, trying and map stuff out. And it's you know it's doable. So
2: yeah, that's why it's so important to know your organisation right and the people yeah. who work in your organisation. So you can do the sharpie and the paper and go right. These are my people. This is what they are. This is what they're doing. It's, it's a bit like the avatar model. Which so yes. I recommend get to know your people. So I loved that conversation. I thought that was brilliant. I, we could talk about this all day, <laughs> all, day. <laughs> all day. But what I am thinking about right now is to treat Trudy to an all expenses lunch. Like I'm still oh, thinking about.
0: I would love that. That would <laughs> be amazing. We're still can thinking I come? about the plan.
2: You can back. come as well. You can come. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll expense it. I'll expense it. <laughs>
0: Thank you for listening to this episode please do remember to rate us or leave us a review on apple and if you have any ideas about future episodes we'd love to hear from you thanks